Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. This morning, what is this, uh, January the 9th, is that correct? 2022. Glory to God. I want to welcome all those that are watching online this morning as uh, everybody is finding their seats. This is a talkative bunch. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Last week I began a, uh, well before we go to that, let me just say please sign up for the Buffalo. We've got to uh, uh, order the, the side dishes. Now, I know a lot of you guys that you're thinking, man, I'm looking for the buffalo. I can eat potatoes and, and uh, other casseroles and things like that anytime. But we're going to have those, any, but I have to order them. I, I'm going to be ordering those over at Front Porch Grill. And so uh, I need to get a head count so I can tell them how much I need. And, uh, but I will say this, that once the stake limit has is, is been met, there'll be no more sign-ups. I'll know more about where we are next week, uh, which will be, should be the last week that we can kind of set things up as uh, far as knowing how many seats we got open. Uh, Marcia says that she forgot to tell about the cost, and at this point, <laughs> I'm saying let's just do it free. How about that? Is that okay? I mean, is that good enough? I mean, say, well, you mean if I invite somebody, I don't even have to pay them? I think that what we've done before, it's already covered pretty much. Uh, I'm just at a place where I just want a bunch of us guys to get together and have a good time. I want to see what God's going to do. Amen? So uh, I don't know what it'll be. I mean, just trying to off the back of trying to remember uh, a few hundred bucks back when for Front Porch Grill, I guess that's what it usually is. I've already took care of the buffalo. All that's been taken care of. So I don't know. We'll, we'll cross that bridge next week. Oh, I need to let them know now? Oh, you guys are free. If you bring somebody, you can, uh, you can pitch in, what is it, about $15, I think is what it was. And, and if uh, you don't have the $15, you want to bring somebody, come see me. I'll take care of it, okay? Is that good enough? There's no reason now not to invite somebody, is it? Just bring them all. Glory to God. And, I'm, and you know, you won't... They, they'll really enjoy that. Uh, I've got some friends that look forward to it every year. Uh, they look forward to uh, being able to come. Uh, they come down from Clanton and brings his, uh, his grill. He, he comes down and it's, it's ready to go, and he brings all this connected sausage and everything, and he loves it. He looks forward. He talks about it in, in the summertime, knowing that how, how, now we're six months off, right? I need that date now because I'm, I'm going to write it down. And so uh, it's always a good time uh, to have the fellowship. Amen? Glory to God. I'm ready to get into the Word this morning. I didn't like cutting off uh, like I did last week, having to stop. But uh, Marcia assured me that uh, I had gone a long time. And I'm not real sure. It's uh, 10.53 now. So. But I laid a, a foundation last week that I'm not going to lay this week. So if you didn't hear last week, if you weren't here, you didn't listen to it during the week or whatever, you need to go back and and get a hold of that, and uh, understand some things that's there. I will touch base on a couple of things, but just to get us caught up and running, but there's some things there that's, uh, that does us well to understand. I went over last time about some of the things about Habakkuk's life, because see, one thing that I've realized that, that sometimes we don't, we don't see things from, a, from the right perspective. We see things from where we are. And just because that's where you are doesn't mean that's where everybody else is at the same time. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're looking into this new year, going into this new year. I, I decided to name this particular series, Walking with God in 2022. Walking with God in 2022. And uh, we talked a little bit about last week about 2020 and, and how that all unfolded, as you very well know. And, uh, and then 2021, things that took place there. Well, what about 2022? And so, uh, as I was seeking the Lord about it, he has revealed some things to me and showed it to me. And uh, some things uh, I can tell publicly, and then there's other things that he doesn't want me to share. And uh, it's not that he doesn't want you to know, you just need to seek him for yourself, and he may tell you. 
But there are some things. I mean, has God ever told you something and he told you not to tell anybody? If you haven't, you haven't spent enough time with him. Because he'll reveal things to you that's not for everybody. And uh, one of the things that he revealed to me uh, about this particular year that he said do tell you is that there's many people that are in opposition to themselves and to the Lord. And, uh, and I say that from the standpoint of there's many people in church today that are in opposition to the new man, who they really are. They're in opposition to it. They don't agree with it. They don't live their lifestyle according to the new man. They're still holding on to the things of the old man. And he said it's like a married couple. He said some of us are living, or I say us, being as, as the church body as a whole, is living like a married couple who has become one flesh, yet they're living two separate lives. One, not knowing what the other one's doing. This one has no clue where they're coming from, what's going on, who their friends are, or anything like that. And, and it's like living two separate lives, but claiming to be one flesh. And the Lord said, that's got to stop. And he said, it's got to stop because you're not getting the fullness of the new man. You're, you're, you're deceiving yourself. And some of the things that, can you imagine if you were uh, are living that life, being a married couple, and let's just say Marcia had these friends. I didn't have any idea who these friends are. And she goes out, and she's hanging out with them, and, and she comes home, and she's talking all this stuff. I have no clue what's going on. Then I can't relate to, the, to her. And if something comes up in her life, she does something dumb or whatever, or she gets, you know, rebellious or whatever, who do you think is influencing her? Is it me? No. It's those new friends. Because I'm living a separate life from her. You follow what I'm saying? And so we have to realize that, that the old man is seeking after old stuff. And those old things speak to us. Huh? You know what I'm talking about. They speak to you. They call you by name. They'll wake you up in the middle of the night. But the Lord says, you are in me. You're a new man. And you're in me now. We are one. Just like the married couple is one flesh. They should flow together. And he says the, the body of Christ is not doing that. They're not walking with me and talking with me. And in the days that we live, it is going to be of the utmost importance for us to understand this and then to walk in communion with God. And so as he was revealing this to me, he brought up uh, about 2022 and the things that take place. And I think it's great that the women are having this vision board because it goes right along with this. And I had no clue that they were doing all of this or what all it consisted of. But it's a great thing. So I want to encourage you women, uh, if you haven't, all you need to do is just take a, just a little bit of time and get along with God and let him speak to you about 2022. Last week I said uh, that there were things and events that have happened that will happen in 2022 to us as individuals. Things will take place in your life personally. Not, has nothing to do with other people. It's going to happen in your life. There'll be things that happen in uh, corporately as a, a body of believers. There'll be things that take place, play, takes place locally like in the the city or the tri-county area. There'll be things that takes place on a, on a regional area. And then there's things that take place in a national uh, events. And then there'll be things that take place globally. And I made mention of it last week from the standpoint that it was like 11:10, and it was raining last week here at 36054. But it, that being a truth, it had nothing at all to do with sunny South Florida. But then there's things that happen in our lives that affects everyone. And I made mention of the stock market because the stock market affects the economy globally. 
It affects everything, whether you own any stock or not. It affects the prices of, at the store. So there's things that take place in 2022 is going to have an effect on you personally, some of us corporately, or your family, you know, or corporately, or a group of people, your friends, and so forth. There'll be things that take place locally, nationally, and globally. And just know that up front, that those things are going to happen. And when it happens, you'll know what's going on because you're in the midst of it. But then there's things, in order to understand what's before us, we need to realize that there's events in the past. I made mention of this last week that took place, and they just didn't happen. It was things that took place in, in 2020, in 2021, and things are going to happen in 2022, and it's not that they just happened. They were set into motion from many years ago. It only manifested last year or the year before, and some of the events and things that's going to take place in our world globally back all the way down to us personally, community-wise, and so forth. Some of these things have been set into motion 10, 20, even 100 years ago. And I made mention about the fact that we're living in a society today where a lot of people are godless. They don't care about God. They don't think about God. When did that happen? Because it wasn't that way when I was a child. If you didn't go to church and was part of a church when you were a child when I was growing up, and that was in the 50s and 60s, during that time, if you didn't have, then you didn't tell nobody because you were embarrassed to even make mention that you may not be. How many know that's not today? So what took place? There were some events that took place back then that caused people today to be where they are, where they mock people, mock God's people. What could it possibly have been they took the Bible out of school? Is, could it be possibly that they took, uh, you know, prayer out of school? Took God totally out of school? So we raised up generation after generation and generation where there's no teaching at all about who God is. And because of it, we are today reaping what was done 50 years ago. But it didn't start there. Who educated these people to pass a law? Who raised them that were in their, say, 40s and 50s when they passed that law? So now we're talking going back 100 years. And so as we approach tobacco, the Lord gave this to me about Habakkuk. I said, I want you to go from there because this is what's going to happen in our lives. How many of you are interested in knowing what's going to happen? Well, you know, I can't tell you what's going to happen exactly in your life, but I can tell you that there's some things that's going to take place in your life, and it's because things have been set into motion prior to this. I brought out the fact about Habakkuk and some of his, uh, his training up and his childhood and, and so forth, and brought forth the fact that he had lived under five kings, one of them being a real bad king named Manassas. And he had even offered in child-burning sacrifices. So he lived in a time where this was the culture where you kill your children by throwing them on a burning uh, idol. This is the culture of the people. He grew up in this time. Did you think that those things like that would have an effect on how you thought and you process thoughts and, and, and your, your lifestyle and so forth? Well, sure it does. So the whole nation of Israel was living had a lot in idolatry, doing all kind of stupidness, and they were living like that. And then Josiah came in. There was two evil kings, and then Josiah came in, and he was a good king. So he had lived under the righteousness of, of a good king for a period of time as well. And during that time, and then the one that followed him, which was not a good king, who only lived about three months in office, and then he was taken out and was basically st stood up by the Pharaoh who was getting taxing Israel money-wise. So he had lived under five, two evil kings, a good king, and two other bad kings. And it affected the culture of the people. 
Now, we'll take that thought and relate that to our culture today. Has there been some things that have messed up our culture? Yes. That means there's things that's been set into motion that you're, you and I are going to be presented with. Okay? Opportunities, we can call them that. Events, things that's going to take place. And this is what was happening in this day, in, in uh, the day of Habakkuk. And so there was evil things that was happening throughout the entire land. If you would, just go ahead and turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. We'll look at it real quick like. Uh, some things there as a foundation. I'm the only one that's not there, I think. I'm there now. And Habakkuk said this in verse 1 of chapter 1. O Lord, how long, I mean, the burden of Habakkuk the prophet did see. Verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and thou not hear me? How long am I going to keep crying out about what's going on and there's nothing, you, it's like you don't even hear me. Even cry out unto thee of the violence that thou wilt not save. Why dost he show me the iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For the spoiling and violence are before me. And there are they that raise up strife and contention. And because of what was taking place in the nation of Israel, not because they were invaded by other people, but they were doing this to themselves. Brother against brother. Tribe against tribe. They were doing this. All this injustice, this the, the un, stealing from each other, the un, of, of, through usury and all different other kind of things. This was taking place. And here we have a prophet of God who knows that this is not the way that the nation should be behaving. He is a priest. Probably the worship leader also. And he's witnessing what's taking place and he's like, this is not so. This is not how it should be. We just had two evil kings that I know of. And then Josiah was here, and we celebrated the Passover for the last 18 years. And now we're going to go back to this evil? And the nation, the people are just all messed up doing things to each other? It wasn't like the Chaldeans were there or the Assyrian nation was there, or Babylon has come in it, they were doing it to themselves. Do we have any of that going on in our country today? Everywhere you turn. How many of you realize Russia is not here? China is not here. The uprisings in the street are coming from within. Things are happening. It's happening here in our country. It's happening to us. And he said this, Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. Now he was not saying that the law of God, the Torah, that's what he was talking of. He didn't say that it was no good. He just said that it was not being observed by us. No more than the citizens of our country are obeying what's on our money where it says, In God we trust. I got a dollar bill the other day, and I told, showed it to Marsh. I said, on the back of it, it says, God is fake. Is that right? Is that what it said? God is fake. I saw that, and I thought, I'm not going to carry that. I don't want that in my wallet. When I go to the bank, I'm going to give it back. And when I got up to the window, you know, I was doing my thing, and I reached in there, I pulled it out, and the Lord says, were well, you going to give them all back? And I said, they don't all say that. He said, what's the say on the other side? He said, in God we trust. He said, that's fake. Y'all don't trust me. I said, I think I'll just keep that dollar bill. Yeah. See, on one side we say one thing, in God we trust. But then we don't. It's that married couple thing, that one flesh. I want, to do, I want it when it's convenient for me. But when it's not convenient, I want to do what I want to do. And the Lord said, that's got to stop. If you're going to succeed and from here on through history, things are going to have to be changed. Because we, as a country, and as believers, I'm not trying to paint a bad thing for you. Before it's over with, you're going to say, well, I like this. But there's things that happen, bad things. Do you realize that Habakkuk was a righteous man, but he had some questions. I don't understand this, God. Why is it that we're crying out to you and you're not hearing? 
What's going on here? He said, the wicked is everywhere. They're all around us. For the wicked doeth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. In other words, we're not getting what we're supposed to be getting here as believers. In verse 5, he said, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. This is God talking. He said, For I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. He said, I'm fixing to do something you're not even going to believe. He said, I'm going to, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwellings, places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. In other words, that would be bad, wouldn't it? God has given a vision to Habakkuk, letting them know, this is what I'm going to do. And you're not even going to believe it. And Habakkuk goes into detail of it, saying, you're right, I don't. I don't know how you could take people that are worse than us and correct us with that. But God really wanted to get the picture across to him. I told Marshall last night, I said, you know, he could have stopped right there. God could have said, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwellings that are not there. They're going to take everything y'all have. Y'all want to act this way? I'll do that. I'm going to show you. But he didn't stop there. He went on even describing their horses. He said, they're as swift as lepers. They're more fierce than the evening wolves. He said, they're fast as you can be. And he goes on and on in detail, talking about it. Down in verse 12, you'll see where Habakkuk's starting to speak again after God's really telling them about how bad these people really are. He says, I'm going to bring them down there. And Habakkuk says, are not thou from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. And Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art, pure, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. I want you to notice something there. He said, he is what? Thou art from everlasting. That's a clue here to Habakkuk and knowing Habakkuk. It's a clue to knowing any of this book. Are thou not from everlasting? What did he mean by that? He says, are you not a covenant God? Did you not make covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph? Did you not make covenant with Moses? Did you not make covenant with David? You made covenant with these people of the old, the ancient of days. And you're the same God today. You've made covenant with me. So here it is, we understand that Habakkuk has not just approached God about what he's going on, but he's approached him in humility. He was not being arrogant. He's approached him in humility saying, God, you're a covenant God. Say it's not so. I, I, I know that you're, you're going to do this, but I believe in the covenant. I believe in you. Our covenant God. So as we read through this, I want you to understand that he is a covenant man. He understands covenant. And everything is being approached through covenant. He's not arrogant. All right, God, how come you this and this and all that? And he's just spouting off. He's not acting that way. How many of you know there's our people that do that? But he's approached God in the right manner. And he says, you're purer than this. I don't understand all this. And then we get to chapter 2 where we left off last week. And so let's just pick up there. Verse 1. He says, And I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. And will watch to see what he will say unto me. And what I shall answer when I am reproved. I made mention last week when he says, I will stand upon my watch. Habakkuk's standing. He's standing. He's not at rest. He's not sitting down. He's not taking a nap. He didn't just complain to God and then say, well, I'm just going to go lay down then. He didn't walk off. He wasn't being arrogant. Habakkuk is saying that he's not going to rest until he receives an answer from God. 
about what he's brought before God. Habakkuk is expecting an answer. He's not just saying, I'm not going to rest till I get it. I'm expecting it. What gave Habakkuk this confidence in God that he would speak to him? Habakkuk approached God through covenant. You're an everlasting God. He's not complaining. He's not being disrespectful. He's not arrogant. He's not prideful. But he's humble and he's reverently waiting for God's reply. He didn't just spout off like many times people do and walk off voicing their opinions about how God ought to do things, revealing their ignorance, saying things like, well, God's just not fair. Can I say this? You do not want a fair God. You do not want a fair God. First of all, God never said he was fair. He never said, I'm a fair God. He always claimed to be a just God. When you take fair God versus just God, let me share what happens. You take mercy out of the picture. If you're a just God, you have mercy. If you're a fair God, everybody has to be treated the same. How many of you want a fair God now? Nobody. You see, if I steal your car, you're saying, I want justice. If I get caught, I'm saying I want mercy. If you steal my car, what do you want? Justice or mercy? You want mercy. You see, we don't want to be fair. We want justice, right? So God is a just God. And when we, we, we humble ourselves and we wait upon him reverently and not be voicing our opinion of how we'd run things if we were, were the creator of the universe. Habakkuk said, Lord, you're from everlasting. You're my God. You're my covenant God. And I'm going to stand here upon my watch. That word watch represents a sentry at his post. How many of you know if you are doing guard duty and you're the sentry at the post, you don't take a nap? You don't daydream. You don't look at your phone. You don't surf the internet. You're at post. You're on duty. And you don't take your duty lightly. People's lives depend upon it. You're diligent. Habakkuk's watch was the office that he holds, that is, as a prophet of the Lord. He took it serious. He knows that the Lord is going to answer him. He just don't know when he's going to answer. But he knows this, I'm not moving until I hear. Now, I want to encourage you to do the same. You see all where he gets an answer. He knows he's going to get an answer. He says, I'm going to get one. I don't know when, but when I get it, it's going to come a certain way. It's going to come from within. And I'm going to watch and see how I'm going to respond to this. I probably, I'm not going to probably like what I hear. But he knows he's going to hear. He knows the Lord's going to answer it. Just don't know when. Habakkuk will remain silent. I'm not speaking another word. I've made my request. And now my part is to be quiet and attentive. I'm not going to keep running my mouth. I just ask you to reveal to me, and I can't hear you if I'm doing all the talking. So I'm now going to sit down and be quiet before you. Not going to keep rehashing all the other stuff that's going on. He's determined. He's not going to be distracted, nor is he going to be slothful in his waiting. I wonder how quick our prayers would be answered if we did the same. If we asked the Lord with that kind of perspective of being humble and respectful, not arrogant, not opinionated, but came and said, Lord, I'm not moving. You're the one with all the answers. 
I'm voicing this to you. I want making my request be known to you. I'm waiting now for orders. I'm waiting to, for you to talk to me. Tell me what's the problem here. He approached God through covenant. I can't say that word enough because everything that we're going to read about today, Habakkuk did through covenant. And if you don't understand covenant, you need to learn real quick about covenant. We are covenant people. Do we pray with confidence like this man did? When you pray to the Lord, if you ever find yourself kind of wishy-washy about it, well, you know, I hope he prays. I, I hope he answers. I, I'm just throwing it out there. I just kind of, well, you know, you know, what do you think, God? Uh, you know, just kind of like throw it out there. And just, you're not praying from covenant. You're just talking. If you're praying from covenant, you expect an answer. So if you're just out here casually talking with God, you're not really don't really care one way or another, just throwing it out there, and you don't get an answer, whose fault is that? Because you're probably not listening for it anyway. Are we really expecting the Lord to speak to us? Do you know there's people that don't even expect God to answer their prayers or to talk to them? Christians. I remember <laughs> many years ago sitting in my mother's kitchen and I said, you know, I was talking to the Lord this morning and she just went, what? It freaked her out. I mean, we just throw that around like there's nothing to it. But my mother, you know, in church, all this, but you talked to, oh, you mean you were praying. Oh, okay. She could go along with that. I just used the term I was talking to God, you know, oh, you mean praying. In other words, you were, you were asking. And it was like, okay. And then when I said, and he told me, she lost it. God talked to you? She was ready to call the people that was going to put me in a straitjacket. Like, he's lost it. Do you realize the world out there, people feel that way about you, don't you? They have no clue what you're talking about. That God talked to you? Now, we hear a lot of that in church. God told me this. God told me that. That has not been God telling anybody anything like that. And the proof's in the pudding. But it gives you the right to go ahead and say, well, God told me, so I'm going to just do it. Let me just say this. God didn't tell you to leave your mate. Yeah, I just want to interrupt somebody. <clears throat> okay. How long do we wait on God? We give him five minutes? Give him one day? Or do we give him our life? What do we give God? God, I've given you five minutes to give me my answer to my prayer. I'm waiting all day. That's it. Or did you say when you came to him, I give you my life? So if you gave him your life, you can go a whole lifetime. Is that not true? When do you stop trusting God? When you didn't get to answer in five minutes? Or a day? Or a week? Or did you give it? Is he going to be your God for just a week? Is that, is that what we're saying? Or is it a lifetime thing? Eternity. Have you ever thought it might be uh, our fault that it takes so long to hear from God? Like we never prayed in faith to start with. We were just complaining. Maybe you were praying in, out of anger. And then there's times we're just overwhelmed with the problem so much that our attention is more on the problem than the voice of God. Huh? Thank you for your enthusiasm on that. Maybe God's speaking, but we're so much wrapped up in the events that we don't hear God because we have more faith in the events than we do our God. But he said, I'm going to stand on my watch and set upon the tower. Do you know what the tower was? The tower was a defensive place. It was a fortress. It was a strong tower. You hear that term used. It was a place of defense. And I find it interesting that Habakkuk is saying that I'm going to stand upon my watch and set me upon you. I ain't moving from you. You're my only defense, God. 
That's covenant again talking. You'll see covenant throughout this. What he's saying is I put my life in you. You're my defense. You just told me that our whole nation was going crazy and that you were going to fix it by bringing a bunch of people down here that's worse than us to do so. Lord, I'm going to have to stand on you. There is nowhere else to go. I'm standing on you. And then he says, and we'll watch to see. Say watch to see. Now this watch is a little different than the other watch. The other watch was his position. This watch is different. We'll probably stay here for just a little bit. We're going to camp here. Watch to see. Now what is Habakkuk saying? He said, well, watch to see. I'm just going to watch. That's not what he's saying. You see, he's familiar with what a watchman is. Ezekiel 33 explains the duties of a watchman. Whoa. See, the watchman is the one who sounds the alarm when the enemy approaches. He's up there and he sees things. Up here comes the enemy. He sounds the alarm. If the man hears the alarm and does nothing about the alarm, his life is on his own. In other words, if you've been warned, you heard the trumpet, the enemy's approaching, but you ignored it. And you die, that's your fault. That's what, it, that's what it boils down to. But he also knew if the enemy approaches and the watchman doesn't make a sound and the man dies, it's on him. He knew this. As a prophet of the Lord, he knew what he meant when he says, I'm going to watch and see. Habakkuk is saying that he's the watchman. And I know and I understand my responsibilities. Habakkuk will not ignore the message to the people. The Lord's given him the message. He said, this is what's going to happen. And he knew he had to deliver this message to the people. Every bit of it. Because if he didn't, everybody that didn't hear, their blood is on him. He takes this serious. How many of you know that we're the watchmen of our lives? We're the watchmen of our lives. Here, the watchman being the Lord is telling Habakkuk what's about to take place since he is the watchman there. See, the Lord gives warning to the prophet. The prophet gives warning to the people. The people then have to make a choice whether I'm going to believe or I'm not going to believe. If I believe, then I will be saved. If I don't believe, I'll be destroyed. And it'll all be your fault. Or you received. And so he knew this. And he understood all this. Habakkuk was responsible to hear from God. But he was also responsible to respond. If I hear and obey, I shall live. And if I refuse to hear or hear and not obey, then my life is on my own hands. And that goes for each one of us in here today. Well, I heard, but I, I don't believe all that. Well, then it's on you. It's on you. It's not on me. I delivered it. Now, in Ezekiel 33, the Lord explains in detail what happens to the righteous when they do not heed to the watchman. The Lord explains in detail what happens to the wicked when they hear and obey. So, over in Ezekiel 33, let's... Uh, I'm going to pull up over there. I think it's in verse 10. I first have to get to Ezekiel. In verse 10, all of this previous is, is explaining what I just said to you. Uh, verse 10, it says, Therefore, O son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus you speak, saying, if our transgressions and our sins be upon us and we pine away in them. In other words, we just kind of make excuse of what we're doing. Well, I'm just making excuse for the way I'm living. How should we live then live? Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn away from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. 
For why will you die, O house of Israel? Therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. When I shall say to the righteous that you shall surely uh, live, if he trust in his own righteousness and committeth iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die. He's saying, you can't just, I made you righteous is what Jesus is saying to, to us. You can't just go live any way you want to. I love you. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to be destroyed. I don't want your family to go through what it's going to go through and all. But if you're going to live this way, if you're going to set these things in motion, you're going to reap it. Whether you're righteous or not. But here he's telling them. He's letting them know you can't depend upon you basically saying, well, I got baptized when I was a baby. My grandmama went to church. She's buried out back. You, that doesn't hold any water. Well, I came to the altar when I was a teenager. After a youth service, we, we were crying and we came to the altar. I remember coming to the altar, but see, there was no change. When the fear left, so did your new man walk. He said, you can't, you can't do that. Well, I thought once saved, always saved. Well, I believe that. I just wonder if you were ever saved to start with. Maybe I ought to say that again. Maybe I shouldn't have said it at all. <coughs> now listen to this in verse 14. <coughs> again, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, if he turns from his sin and do that which is lawful and right, if the wicked restore the pledge and give again that, that he had robbed, Walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity. He shall surely live and he shall not die. None of his sins that he hath committed shall ever be mentioned. He hath done that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. So he said that the wicked who's committed murder, who's robbed, who's been in adultery, all kind of stuff. If he repented and turned and started walking as a righteous man, while well, all he did before not even mentionable. That's a just God. But the guy who's been claiming, well, I'm righteous because I am a, uh, my, my, father, grand, my father is Abraham. In other words, because they were an uh, Israelite. How many of you know the same thing can happen in church today where you just walk around and say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But there's no really walking with Jesus. Now, Paul said that these things would happen and things take place in our life that, uh, that others can learn by. And he made mention of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. We read that last week. I'll just read real quickly one part of it. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud of, in the sea and all did eat the same spiritual meat and all did drink the same spiritual drink for they drank into the spiritual rock that followed them. That was the rock. That rock was Christ. But most many of them, God was not pleased and they were overthrown in the wilderness. So in the church house, this is taking place. Still today. And he said this is for examples. These people. This took place. As it, it was examples for us. Because now we're reading. From what Paul wrote in the New Testament. And he said that these things. Were examples for us. And that we need to pay attention. To what was going on. Now. He said here. I will watch to see. What he will say. Unto me. Properly translated what he'll say in me. In me. 
He said, I'm going to go up here and I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait. And I'm going to see what you're going to say in me. I'm not looking for an outward sign. But a word spoken to me inwardly. I know, God, you're that still small voice. Now, after the Lord had revealed unto him his plan, he recognized, that is, Habakkuk recognized, that his thoughts of God's inactivity was caused by him looking at his circumstances. Here he was claiming that God was being inactive. And he did so because he was so caught up in what he saw with his natural eyes and what he heard going on in the streets. He was a covenant man. He knew God. He knew God was pure. He knew he was holy. He knew he was a just God. But because of this, all what he was seeing, got caught up in it, it caused him to question God. And he knows, I'm going to stand here upon my watch. I know you're going to answer, and you're going to answer in here, in me. And then he says, and what I shall answer. When I'm reproved, how am I going to respond? How am I going to respond? Well, I make excuse. Well, you know, I was raised poor. This happened in my life and you're going to make excuses. Or maybe you'll blame others. Is that how we're going to respond when God reveals to us and corrects us? We're going to blame others. Well, maybe we'll be like some and just. Ignore the rebuke altogether and act like it never happened. Just ignore God. Well, I claim that I am righteous and that I'm exempt from all of it. Or will I repent of my disbelief or unbelief? Will I seek God's face? Will I accept my responsibility like Habakkuk did and be the watchman? Of my life. How am I going to respond? How am I going to respond. When God corrects me. I know he's right. I'm missing it somewhere. So, But how am I going to respond? Am I going to act like the wicked? Or am I going to act like the righteous? Am I just going to claim that I'm a Christian. So I'm exempt? Is that what I'm going to do? It doesn't go over very well that way. Verse 2 says. And the Lord answered me and said. Write the vision. And make it plain upon the tablets that he may run that read it. He said, write the vision. What vision is he talking about? He's talking about write the vision that the Chaldeans are fixing to come down upon you. And you tell them how fast their horses, they're faster than doggone leopards. He said, you tell them that they're fiercer than the evening wolves. You tell them they're going to come down upon them like a hungry eagle and devour everything. And he went into great detail from verse 6 all the way to verse 11, telling about how bad these Chaldeans, he said, I want you to write every single bit of it. Don't leave out anything. Habakkuk now is what? He's the watchman on the wall, and he knows his responsibility is to tell them all that God has told them. And because if he leaves out any of it, then what does that do to him? He's got blood of those people on his hands. So he writes it all. He writes it all. And he's like, okay, Lord, I'm writing the vision. I'm writing exactly what you told me to do. How many of you know that when you receive something from God, that you shouldn't just be listening? And Habakkuk was in this situation. He says, Habakkuk, I don't want you just to listen. I want you to make record of what I'm about to show you. What I'm showing you, I want you to make a record of it. I want it recorded. I want every detail. I want you to make it so plain. I want you to reveal every single thing I said. The Lord could have stopped it in chapter 1, but he said, no, I'm going to write it out. I want you to write every bit of it. Habakkuk, as the watchman, he knew what it meant, and he wrote every bit of it, and he made it plain upon the tablets. He said, make it so plain that he may run that readeth it. Not run from God, but run to God. Huh? 
I want you to write every bit of these details down to where there's no question whatsoever what's about to take place because I want my people running to me and not from me. He says, then he goes on and says, for the vision, what I've shown you, is for an appointed time. In other words, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next week. It's not going to happen next month. There's a time coming it's going to happen. Just like Jesus is going to return. Huh? He's coming again. And he said, I want you to write it down and make it plain, record it, because people are going to forget by next week what I said. They're going to forget how serious I am about it and all the details that I broke down for you. They'll begin to wonder whether or not you just ate some crazy mushrooms or something. And is this really God? Because that's the way people are. He said, you make it plain to them. Let them understand there's a time coming. But at the end, it shall speak. In other words, this vision is going to speak to people. Thought that was something. And not lie. And how's it going to not lie? It's going to come to pass. That's why. He said, though it tarry, wait for it. What we need to learn how to do is to wait for it. How do we wait? How do we wait for what God's doing? Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in himself, in him. Habakkuk, he said, the prideful aren't going to make it. They're not going to believe you. Although you've told them the word of the Lord, you told it, you recorded it, you gave it in great detail, the prideful people of your nation are not going to believe you. Their soul is lifted up. Well, I'm a Christian. I can do as I please. I know what the Bible says this. I think this. I think that. Their opinions are going to cause great harm to them and their families. They could have had the word of the Lord and said, look, guys, things have been set into motion. And because of what y'all have done, the lives that you've lived over this course of time, things are taking place in your country. You just add, well, I don't believe all that. He said, the prideful are in trouble. They're in trouble. But then he goes on and he reads, he says this one little statement here that just really seems totally out of context. He said, but the just shall live by faith. And then he gets back over on the prideful people again. You also, because of the transgressed by wine, if you didn't really watch those, that little statement, but the just shall live by faith, you would miss it. And the Lord's saying that in order to make it during this time in their life, they're going to have to live by faith. In other words, according to God's word. You see, I learned years ago that the just shall live by faith. I, I, it's four times recorded here in Habakkuk, then again in Romans chapter 1, again in Galatians 3, and then again in Hebrews 10. And if God says something four times, we ought to be paying attention. He said the just shall live by faith. Now, if you made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, then you're the just. And he says you're going to live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in God, his word. So the just shall live by God's word. The just, say, I'm the just. I shall live by God's word. There's nothing else to live by. The problem is, is we just don't know how to live. How do we live when we're dealing with circumstances and things that are set in motion, things that are blown? We don't understand God. We don't understand what God's word says. We don't understand. Well, I always thought that, that you know, since we're saved, everything's going to be just fine. I didn't know we were still going to have to deal with trouble. I didn't know people were going to get mad at me. I didn't know that I had to pay my bills. I thought God was just going to rain it down. Isn't that what birds are for? He fed Elijah. Shouldn't he just be bringing us in buffalo steaks through the window? I didn't know I was ever going to have to do. You don't know God. The 
God never said he'd do that. He said he'd take care of you, protect you, watch over you, guide you, lead you. He'll even tell you things to come. That's what he said. He wants us to know. That's part of covenant. God told Abraham what he was going to do at Sodom and Gomorrah before he ever did it because he was in covenant. If you're in covenant, you have a right to know. And God will tell you and reveal it to you as much as he can trust you. So he'll show you things. So here he says, the just shall live by faith. And then he gets right over and said, yea, also, because you transgress this by wine. In other words, because you've become intoxicated by wine or you've become intoxicated with the pleasures of this world. How many of you know you can become intoxicated by something and stagger around and watch it? You can do that with Facebook. I think probably everybody in this room has it one time or, no, or another and got tired of it and said, what is this? This takes all my time. It's got all my attention. I look at it all the You know, you can do that. You can do it with the gym. You can do it with stock market. You can do it with anything. Can become, you can become intoxicated with it, live like a drunk. And it does what? It inhibits your ability to see properly. If you've ever been one to drink, you'll know that you don't drive very well when you've been drinking. You can't judge things properly. You think you're the biggest, strongest, meanest thing that ever happened and that you're invincible. You don't think right. Whatever it is, it inhibits your ability to reason. Your vision is distorted. We need, at this time in our lives, to be fully aware of the vision. What's God said? What did he say? Did he say, did Jesus say in the last days things were going to get tough? Did he say that there would be nation rise against nation, war against, wars and rumors of wars? Did he say there would be pestilence and plagues and diseases and, and financial problems and, and people killing each other and brothers against each other and fathers hating their sons and sons hating their father? Did he not say all this was going to happen? Then why are we so put out when it starts happening? See, we want Jesus come back soon before April 15th. But then we turn around and do what? Well, Lord, I kind of like it here. Can you wait? There's a point in time. You can't have both. We want Jesus to come back while we're still at the church house. Then we get out there at the beach or something and say, I could do this forever. I could do this forever. And pass up heaven for what? A beach? Nothing wrong with going to the beach, by the way. He said, you've become proud man, desiring me to be fair instead of a just God. That's what wine does. He goes on and says, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home. Have you ever noticed that? They, they, they can't stay at home. They've got to have more and more and more. Who enlarges his desires? Hell. And, as, uh, and is as death and cannot be satisfied. Somebody that's got intoxicated with the things of this world cannot satisfy and quench that hunger and desire when it should be that they have that towards God. Now, we can continue going down through chapter 2. And uh, be quite honest with you, it's, it's going to be a lot of woes, okay? He says it to us in, in verse 6. Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. In other words, you've been stealing. He gets in verse 9 and he says, uh, Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness of, of somebody else's stuff. Then he gets over there and says, Woe to him that buildeth the town with blood. So he's got into these woes here. But I want you to, verse 15, it says, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunk also. In other words, your fear, you want to run tell everybody your fears to get them to be fearful as well. But I want you to notice that he stops this, and even woe to the dumb, dumb idols in verse 19. I want you to notice the last part of it. 
verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is in his sanctuary. And what does the church do? The church sits home and watches it on TV. Well, God's here too. In between the commercials or when? Well, I mean, are you really there? Are you engaged? Are you, are you seeing it? I believe in, in, in having the, the ability to be able to, for the word of God to go into people's homes. There's times when people need it. But we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I need your gifts. You need my gifts. We need each other. This is not a spectator thing. God didn't give us gifts so we could stay home. He knows how we need to be together. That we don't need to be isolated. He knows that we need to hear truth. He knows about commitment. And I'm concerned that too many times, especially in the days that we're living in right now, that people don't really see the seriousness of it. And they're going to miss out. They're going to miss out. doesn't have to be that way. But Habakkuk doesn't stop there. I told you he was a man of faith, a man of covenant. And so it begins chapter 3, talking from a perspective of covenant. Now, for time's sake, we're not going to read over all of chapter 3. I'm going to tell you about it. You can go back and read it. But chapter 3 is awesome. Because Habakkuk now is saying, I'm going to write the vision, and I'm going to make it plain, and I'm going to tell you something here. He wrote it all out, told them about the Chaldeans coming on them and how it's going to be. And all of that, he told every bit of it. And then he turns around and says, but let me tell you something, guys. Let me tell you. And, and this is a song that was written and put to lively music so that they could sing it in the church house. So they could sing it as they rode down the road, as they walked in the fields. As they talk with one another, he says, I'm going to have a song that's going to continually play in you. How many of you noticed that you can still remember that little jingle from 1964? You know, a Burger King or whatever, you know, type thing. Because it was put to music, it stayed there. And he, I believe, through the leadership of the, of the Lord, said, I want you to put this to music. And for all the people to begin to sing this when it's not yet. So that when that day comes, you will be built up and ready. Are you hearing me? Worship team, won't y'all go ahead and go up there. I want y'all to hear what I'm saying to you. He says in chapter 3 that our God is the God of the creator. He's the creator of all the universe. So not only has he told them about what God is going to do, the Chaldeans coming and all, but now he says... But let me keep on talking to you about God. He is the creator of all the universe. And as you read down through it with just a little bit of study, you'd see that he begins to tell them about the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. He begins to tell with them about how God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. He begins to tell them about how he made the, the Red Sea part so that his children could go across on dry land. And how the waters came back across and destroyed all the Egyptians. And he begins to tell them about how the waters, the floodwaters of Jordan stood up on end for Joshua. And how the people walked across on dry land. And he began to tell them about how Joshua was fighting the people of the day, and he asked for the sun and the moon to stand still so he could pursue them, and God answered him and caused the sun and the moon to stand still. And so he is telling them all of these things, and he's saying, and Moses went before God, and his face was so uh, in the presence of God, it began to show upon him to where he had to cover his face with a veil. And he talks about all these encounters of the faithfulness of God in the midst of trouble. How God is faithful through all of it. And he goes all through this. whole song is about this. So they're learning this in church. And they're singing this in church. And they're shouting this in church. And then they go home and they're thinking about it. And they're hearing it on the radio. That's us, okay? We're hearing it on them back then. They were singing it because they knew that song. But they kept hearing it and they'd rehearse it. 
all this time when the Chaldeans were nowhere around. And there came a day when the Chaldeans did come. You know what was alive within them? My God was going to take care of me when the Chaldeans do come. I'll live and not die. My God is a pure God. He's a holy God. He's a covenant God. And he gets all the way down through this chapter 3, and he ends it with this. And when this all happens, let me get over to the last part. Verse 17, it says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He, God, will make my feet like hinds feet, and He will make me to walk upon the high places. That's how he ended it. All this is going to happen because God, you said it was going to happen. And although everything may look terrible, I'm going to rejoice. My God is not going to leave me or desert me. He's going to make my feet be like hinds feet, like a doe, uh, a deer, where I can leap above the situation. I'm walking sure-footed like a deer. I don't slip and fall and, and, and all that. He said, I'm going to cause me to walk on high places. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing about the famous God. He's famous for. That's what should be in our hearts. In 2022, what you need to remember is the just shall live by faith. We're going to believe in our God. It don't matter what we face with. What matters is who our God is. Amen? Let's sing. Thank you, Lord. We'll be dismissed after this. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.